Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. To learn about upcoming apologetics events, our podcast, videos, and much more, visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael in part two of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about your spiritual father. Anybody have regrets and look back and say, man, I wish someone would have been a little bit more in my face, a little bit more strict, maybe not all of you, but some of you, Uh, a little bit more saying, don't do that, because if you do that, here's what's going to happen. Now, we do know that our children, especially perhaps teenagers, you know, they they chafe at some of that. They they don't like it. But what we're trying to do as parents is save them pain, chaos, and regret. Now, I do know as I talk about a father figure, right, a lot of us have daddy issues, right? We have issues with our fathers. In fact, uh, there's a huge percentage, what is it, 40 plus percent who are now being born out of wedlock. They are being born into broken situations. So that it's like out of the gate, they they have, you know, this disadvantage. And even those of us who had a father perhaps present, or at least, you know, reachable, geographically uh, speaking, or even in the home, sometimes had a bad experience. And so we have these daddy issues. So even when Paul says, you know, I became your father through the gospel, or we hear about Father God. I, I was watching a program um, that was talking about people who were coming out of sexual brokenness, and, and a woman had some issues with her father, so she said, in essence, I'm, I'm cool with Jesus, but I have a problem with God the Father. Because her view of a father was quite negative. And I, and I suppose we could all understand that. My own upbringing is in that category. Uh, my father left when I was four. I never saw him again. I found out that he died through an internet ancestry website. He called me one time on the phone in 30 plus years only to say, I'm going to come visit because he thought he had had a heart attack. And then when it was a false alarm, he didn't show up. That's my story. But when I started reading scriptures about God as the father of the fatherless and the defender of widows, I made a decision that I wanted my life to be different. I didn't want my boys to grow up in a broken home. So the negative actually motivated me to be the right kind of father. And I take fathering as a great privilege. And I wanted to be, I knew I wasn't going to be a perfect parent, but I wanted to be a present parent. I wanted to to have an impact, and I knew that my impact on my boys would be significant when Shane, who was up here leading worship, was little, and he would dress like me, and uh, he would put on a tie and act like he was taking a briefcase to work. And I was the drummer on the worship team for many years. Some of you don't know this, but years ago, Pastor Michael was the drummer on the worship team. It is true. Now they've far surpassed me. But anyway, but he put out pots and pans in the living room, and he would beat on them and act like he was the drummer on the worship team, and then he'd pretend like he'd go, he was going off to work. And now I'm going to go. And he, this is what kids do, right? They, they copy their parents. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, look, the church's business is really about spiritual reproduction. It's really about us trying to guide 
others who are getting saved and growing in the Lord. We're trying to guide them. So when Paul, the Apostle Paul speaks sarcastically early in chapter 4 and you know, basically takes them to task, he's doing so in the role of a spiritual parent. And some of us who have grown up in a household where maybe our parents were on us a lot, we get to the point where we're like, I know, I know, I know. And your parents are famous for saying, no, you don't know. You think you know. <laughs> My mom, every time I would leave the house, she would say these words, be careful, Michael. And then it would be, be careful in your daily activities. Be careful. Parents are always saying, be careful. You're like, I know, Mom, I know. No, you don't know. <laughs> I'm going to be. Parents are in the reminding business, aren't they? And then we get older and we realize how much we need the reminders. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.14, I don't write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Now we get the motivation. If there's somebody that's on you in your life, just know their motivation is in all likelihood love. I had a coach, I was playing football in high school, and he was constantly on me. And I only played one year of football because I was really a baseball player. But I even made this incredible hit. I, I remember this distinctly in my memory. I, I hit this guy, I was playing linebacker, and I hit him solid, and he went down. And my coach critiqued the hit. You were on the wrong side, Lance. You gotta hit him on the right side. You gotta drive him back towards the line, not away from the line. And I was like, what am I gonna do to please this guy? And then I found out later, and I think he even told me, he goes, look, I wouldn't bother with you or ride you if I didn't care. I think you can be a great player, but here's what needs to happen. See, this is the way it is. He says, I don't want to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. NIV, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Now, is there a place of shame in the Christian life? Here's what I would say. I'd say we don't want to shame people just to shame them. If your goal is just to shame them, like shame, shame, shame on you, right? Just wallow in your shame for the next 10 years. That's not what we should be doing. But shame does have a place in the life of the believer. In fact, go over to chapter 6, look at verse 5. Paul says, I say this, 6-5 to what? To your shame, <laughs> And there, they were suing each other in secular law courts. In the previous chapter, there was an egregious sexual sin that wasn't even practiced by unbelievers. I want you to turn to an Old Testament scripture, Jeremiah 6, for a second. This is what Jeremiah says. And of course, Jeremiah was a weeping prophet, and he had to watch a lot of ugly stuff go down in his culture. Jeremiah 6. Um, look at verse 15. Here's... Here's what God says through the prophet to his people. Jeremiah 6, 15. He says, were they ashamed, 6, 15, because of the abomination they have done? They were not even ashamed at all. They did not even know, Jeremiah 6, 15, how to blush. Therefore, they fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. And then this exhortation, thus says the Lord. Stand by the ways. See and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it 
and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So Paul says, look, I don't want to shame you. My goal is not just to say these words to shame you, but to warn you. And sometimes in warning, you know, we feel some shame. Genesis 39, when Potiphar's wife was tempting Joseph to sleep with her, he said, there's no one greater in this house, 39.9 of Genesis, just write it down. He, he has withheld nothing from me, your husband, except you, because you're, you're his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? In Daniel 9.7, when Daniel's praying for his people to be restored, he says, Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us, open shame. 1 John 2.28 says we don't want to shrink back in shame at his coming. So there's a legitimate place for shame, especially if it drives us back to God and to righteousness. I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Ephesians 5, 1 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. If you are feeling the tug of God lately, if you're in a situation where you are doing something that you have no business doing, you are consistently playing with fire and you have God tugging at you, pricking you, convicting you. Be of good cheer because if he wasn't, I would be worried. If he wasn't convicting me when I'm, you know, doing things that I shouldn't be doing as a believer, I would be worried. And so when we get the conviction of the Holy Spirit is God just simply saying, don't do that. That's not good for you. That's not who you are. I'm warning you, said Paul. That means to admonish you, to put into the mind, to exhort. It's criticism in love is the Greek word here for admonish. It's the idea. Admonishing is loving discipline. It's always protective, corrective, and restorative. Might want to write that down. Admonishing is always protective, corrective, but restorative. That is, any discipline that we would do, anytime we would say to somebody, hey, the train's coming, look out, or the car's coming, stop at the curb, don't go there. We, our goal would be what? To protect, to restore. The goal of church discipline in Matthew 18 is restoration. It's not just to leave someone just to make somebody feel bad. Oh, don't do that. Oh, yeah, you're just terrible. To shame them. That's not the point. The point is to speak the truth in love to bring a person back to the place of restoration. And so we need to know that even when God's tugging at us or we have a friend who says to us, what are you doing? See, we have a father who loves us and Paul is a spiritual father. In Hebrew, the word for love is ahav and it means the father revealed. Never was his heart more revealed than in the story of the prodigal. God is, uh, maybe you've, there were times in my life when I felt like Christians were surrounding me. Anybody? <laughs> it's like, I, I just, everywhere I turned, I was meeting a Christian who was speaking into my life. That's a sign that God loves you. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from Scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Our goal would be what? To protect, to restore. The goal of church discipline in Matthew 18 is restoration. It's not just to leave someone just to make somebody feel bad. Oh, don't do that. Oh, yeah, you're just terrible. To shame them. That's not the point. The point is to speak the truth in love to bring a person back to the place of restoration. And so we need to know that even when God's tugging at us or we have a friend who says to us, what are you doing? See, we have a father who loves us and Paul is a spiritual father. In Hebrew, the word for love is ahav and it means the father revealed. Never was his heart more revealed than in the story of the prodigal. And if God is, uh, maybe you've, there were times in my life when I felt like Christians were surrounding me. Anybody? <laughs> it's like, I, I just, everywhere I turned, I was meeting a Christian who was speaking into my life. That's a sign that God loves you. And he's trying to bring you back to a place of walking strong with him. Look at verse 15. For, 1 Corinthians 4.15, For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father, notice, through the gospel. See the word tutor there? That's pedagogue. That's, in the ancient world, a pedagogue was a servant of a master who watched over a boy. Really, from the time he left the house, he couldn't leave without the pedagogue. And the pedagogue would walk him to school and try to keep him out of trouble. How many of you wish you had a pedagogue when you were younger, right? And, in, and they, they found on Greek vases, they found in archaeological digs, the uh, pedagogue pictured as a kind of a weird-looking person who carried a stick around and was always, you know, trying to beat you into submission, if you will. Trying to protect you from doing the wrong thing. So you could have many disciplinarians who would berate you with shame, shaming tactics, but You only have one father, says Paul. I'm your father in the gospel. I came to Corinth. I preached. 
you got saved, and this is who I am. You may have many people who become your pedagogues or try to guide you, but you only have one father. Paul's saying, I'm the founder of the church, so he's not trying to pull rank here, but he's just saying, it would be good if you listened to me since you became a Christian through my ministry. And so then Paul says something that a lot of people think is a bit boastful. I I think not. 16, he says, I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. I wrote in my notes, could I say that? Could I say to someone, just imitate my Christian life. Follow me around for a week. (laughs) Some of you are going, no, no. Maybe a couple hours on a Sunday, but not all week. What would it look like if you said to someone, just imitate me, just follow me around for the next week, the, the week to come. Watch me as I study my Bible and pray. Share my faith. Go to different Bible studies. Pour into the lives of other people. Does that frighten you, that concept? Just imitate me. Some of you have done some coaching. You know that one of the things that you do with players is you show them. So you might be coaching a football team and you'll show them a proper stance. You might be trying to teach a golf swing. And you could, I I had a guy trying to teach me how to swing a golf club and he was unsuccessful. (laughs) But anyway, he was left-handed and I'm right-handed. We stood opposite each other and he was showing me how to fix some problems in my golf swing. I coached a lot of baseball and I would show the kids how to get down and, you know, kind of get their glove down. And we would say, now make the alligator mouth. Do the alligator so the ball can come in the alligator mouth. And they would say, alligator, Coach Michael, alligator. Yeah, do the alligator, man. See, coaches would naturally say, watch me. Imitate me. Do you, do you have some people in your life who are imitating you? Watching you? Oh, they do. For good or for ill. Little kids are famous for uh, saying stuff in the middle of a store or something that you said at home and they repeat it. <laughs> no, 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 don't say that in public. Why not, Daddy? You said it. <laughs> a man and his young son were climbing a mountain. They came to a place where the climbing was difficult and even dangerous. The father stopped to consider which way he should go. He heard his boy behind him saying, Choose a good path, Dad. I'm coming right behind you. Children have a way of imitating their parents either for good or for ill. Researchers tell us that teenagers learn to drink at home and not from their peers. But my guess is that other bad habits happen the same way. Sometimes you hear the mouth of a little kid and you're like, where did they get that? It's usually not hard to figure out. Unlike our modern Western culture, however, in every other pre-industrial culture and many non-Western cultures today, it's expected for a child to imitate the father in the sense that the child would essentially adopt the father's vocation. So for instance, says one writer, if the father were a baker, the child would be a baker. If the father were a sheep herder, the child would become a sheep herder. So a much stronger authoritative picture is being communicated by this analogy. Paul is saying, follow me as I follow Christ, which he will say later. In Hebrews 13, 7, it says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. There's such a thing as, we might say, a holy copycat. 
When we follow our Father, we are doing the right thing. This is a conclusion of an earlier thing that I quoted, but it's this. He says, when we accept legitimate authority, we can stop playing God. We are free to give up the burden of both chasing and running from authority. Once we stop playing God, we can start playing God in the proper sense. We get to be imitators of Christ, seeking to cultivate culture and help humanity flourish. Close quote. You get the point? Once we stop playing God in the sense that we want to control everything, we can start imitating our Father. We can become what we were meant to be. It's what God wants for you. He wants you to have an abundant life to become what you were meant to be. And so for this reason, Paul says, I've sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child, 17, in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways. It would seem that Paul had already dispatched him, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul had Timothy, a wonderful protege in the faith, and he could send Timothy and know that Timothy would represent him well. Now, some have become arrogant, verse 18, that is in the Corinthian church, as though I were not coming to you. Some were were piously defiant. He won't visit our city again. Paul's all talk. He's not coming back here. Oh, he came once. And he's coming again. Daddy is coming home soon. Better make sure you made your bed. (laughs) Better make sure things are in order in your room. I love the story of the mother who had a particularly trying day with her young son. Finally, she flung up her hands and shouted, All right, Billy, do anything you darn well please. Now let me see you disobey that one. Do anything you want. (laughs) Yes. We have to balance love and discipline, don't we? As parents, as spiritual parents... You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and this was part two of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about your spiritual father. You know, we could use your partnership with our mission to equip people with God's truth. We do this program to encourage you to share the truth you learn with the people that God puts in your life. Please share whatever you learned today with at least one person, and please partner with us in prayer. Please pray for Walk in Truth. Our mission is to do more apologetics events in 2020 and to expand the program to broadcast on more radio stations. Would you pray for the Lord's favor over our mission? Thank you so much for doing that. And if you have any prayer needs, please let us know so Pastor Michael or one of our assistant pastors can pray for that need. Email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. You can find our mailing address on our website, walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, sometimes when we think about fathers, it can be a hard thing, and we don't, we don't always have a great track record with fathers. In fact, some of us have had fathers that were really never there, or they were MIA, or maybe they bailed on the family. And so sometimes it can feel like, how do I build my life on God's foundation when I feel like he's not there, or I can't sense him the way that I'd like to? You know, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so one of the things that we want to do is we want to continually stand on the promises of God. And the Word of God is one of the best ways to remind you that God is there, whether you feel Him or not. You know, feelings are going to ebb and flow. Feelings are not the most trustworthy uh, thing for your faith. 
it is great to experience feelings. I do believe that God gives us a sense of his presence many times, but even when we're not feeling his presence, he is there. And the Bible makes that very clear that he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. So the best thing to do when your feelings are not, you could say when you're not feeling it, is to make sure you've anchored your faith in the word of God. Don't let your feelings drive the train. They can be the caboose, if you will, but facts about the Bible, facts about God, the power of the word of God should be what drives the train. And I think that will help you if you're struggling with sensing God's presence in your life. Just get close to him by getting into his word, getting into prayer, and giving him everything. And I mean everything. So I want to invite you out to our Wednesday night service on the 13th of November. We're in the book of Job talking about the problem of evil and the power of the gospel through this majestic book. And we're coming kind of on the the last couple of laps here in the book of Job as there's more wrestling with the problem of evil, but turning to the power of the gospel. Job was beginning to discover that his Redeemer lives. And we invite you out. You can find out more about the Wednesday night service at 7 p.m. at Living Truth, the church behind Walk in Truth. It's in the city of Corona. And you can download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store and find out information, directions, and service times on Sunday as well. Come on out. We'd love to see you on a Wednesday or Sunday. Download the LT app today. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about our spiritual father and what you mean to him. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. As always, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.